Welcome to On Call with Insignia, where we ring up founders, innovators, and technologists. Wherever they are, we talk about the amazing work they do, the mental frameworks that guide them, and the opportunities they see in the future. Let's dial in. So for this episode, I had a chat with our founding managing partner, Inglan Tan, on what it takes for technology companies to succeed and endure in Southeast Asia. So first things first, you often say in interviews that you look for unstoppable founders. But what kind of companies do unstoppable founders build? Now, first, uh, thanks uh, for having me, Paolo. Uh, so I think one of the things we learn about unstoppable founders is that uh, they act with speed. Something that they decide at uh, 9 o'clock, they execute by noon. Uh, and this is stark contrast to what happens at a big multinational, right? Because, you know, sometimes a product manager has an idea, he'll surface it to the division director, who surface it to the director, who surface it to the vice president, who surface it to the assistant CEO, who surface it to the CEO. We, I mean, this whole process takes six months. Original idea doesn't look like the end product anymore. So I think the, the size of the organization is proportional to agility, but I think Ansible founders have the ability to make things happen with great agility and speed. So this one, um, I try to capture it in uh, 7S. Uh, of which the first S is speed, which I just mentioned earlier. The second S is actually, um, counterintuitively enough, is a stealth. So uh, a lot of people think that um, startup founders, hey, every time they have a new product or new, you know, new new launch of a service, uh, they need to do a big press release, uh, get covered in TechCrunch. Uh, counterintuitively, that's actually the opposite of what we advise founders. Our advice to them is to stay under the radar as far as possible. When you do a press release, your competitors know about you. Uh, they, uh, they copy what you do. Venture funds who you know, don't invest in you end up investing in your competitors. Investment bankers come and you know, do meetings with you and, and learn all about you with not much clear benefit about you. The only time where I think there's a benefit for um, founders to do this is if, if they, have, uh, they need to recruit and they need to get customers. But if you have a way of getting customers without, uh, you know, without doing PR or fancy press releases, I think that will be my advice. Um, the third S is actually smarts, and when I say smarts, it's not just uh, IQ smarts, right? It is, um, it is the ability to ask not the how or the what, but the why. The the why actually reflects the bigger uh, calling for the organization. Uh, why the why the company does what it does. And also the smarts also stand for, I would say, the ability to learn, right? Because in the world of tech, things move so fast that uh, what, is, what is common knowledge a year ago will be obsolete in uh, 12 to 18 months in, in certain cases. It also means having a strong technical uh, core team because you know, most people think that, hey, you know, um, you know, the success of Apple was uh, you know, Steve Jobs, largely to Steve Jobs. But in the early days, I think Steve was next was as critical as Steve Jobs. We always believe that uh, A engineer hire A engineers and uh, B engineers hire C engineers and C engineers cannot hire anybody. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the being very clear of uh, uh, who you hire, uh, and especially in the early days, the first three engineers are, are, are very critical. The fourth one is uh, simplicity, which is also counterintuitive because you know, um, a lot of time, you know, people try to explain their business and it's more complicated than it needs to be. All right? But the best companies are able to articulate what they do with clarity and simplicity. You know, I think the, the other learning here is that the simplest answer is usually the best answer. The best products are you know, uncluttered, 
you look at you know Dropbox, you look at Google, uh, you look at things like WhatsApp, you look at uh, we have a portfolio company uh, uh, called PayFast in Indonesia. Uh, usually, they come up with a very simple solution for a problem that you know a few hundred million people face. Uh, so that's another one. Um, there's one more S which I want to bring up, which is singularity. Uh, which essentially means uh, focus and aiming the resources because in the Western world, we hear a lot of uh, zero entrepreneurs, right? Which means uh, the case study of someone who has done a, a startup and then started another one again. In, in the East, I think we have seen a more common, we see seen the phenomenon of a, a parallel entrepreneur, which is which are entrepreneurs that have several things going on uh, and the most valuable companies um, like Apple, I mean, they have not more than 10 products. Because each product requires engineering, requires marketing. The, the key is to focus and aim your resources so that the total success is much higher. Uh, one last S is swiftness, uh, which is essentially uh, staying lean and uh, losing fat. And, and if you picture the sort of image of uh, a big sumo wrestler versus a small little kid, uh, we always back the small little kid who is the underdog because they can run circles around the big sumo wrestler. And for the big sumo wrestler, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So uh, staying lean, being agile, uh, you know, I think these are some of the building blocks of uh, an unstoppable founder. Just to recap again for all our listeners, so that's speed, stealth, smarts, simplicity, singularity, and sveltness. So these six S's are something that our listeners, especially early stage founders among you guys, can translate into the ventures you're working on. Speaking of ventures, the companies you have invested in over your career are wildly successful technology platforms like Gojek and Tokopedia that managed to take off from finding product market fit to scale. What lessons can founders take away from the success of these companies you've invested in? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a few commonalities of uh, these companies you just mentioned, which and. That's one of our uh, uh, investment thesis, which is to really invest in uh, platform companies. Easier said than done, but platform companies have certain characteristics that are uh, easy to identify but harder to accomplish. Which is one, you know, they have a demand function that acquires users and retain them. They usually have a supply function that you know uh, acquires supply, manages the supply, does the quality assurance. They don't own the service providers, but they curate them and aggregate them, and they aggregate the demand and supply. There's, a, there's an improvement on matching efficiency, and they focus on rule setting. And this is a self-evolving loop that allows uh, you know, the data to be collected and enriched over time. So um, I think one example is uh, a company that is in our portfolio called Caro. Uh, that is a you know um, platform to sell and buy secondhand cars, right? So what Caro does is they acquire car owners, they retain them, uh, they help power the dealers to sell their cars, they aggregate the dealers and the car owners, uh, they assess the quality and the pricing, and they match the dealers and car owners. And on the supply side, they uh, you know acquire the dealers and they make sure the car is in good condition. Um, so that's uh, that's one one um, interesting example. Um, the uh, the other example that we have in the portfolio is a company called PayFast, which is uh, you know essentially a, a, a bank for the unbanked in Indonesia. The they have a network of uh, banking agents in Indonesia, a very large footprint, and this these agents enable banking services. Uh, they aggregate the agents and the users. They match the agents, the users, and link them to the banks. In the process, they take commissions and set up rules and uh, regulations for the agents. So on the supply side, they uh, acquire the agents, they have uh, regulations for compliance, and they empower them to uh, better their lot in life. 
So studies have shown that platform companies uh, 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 create more mar- tech market cap and uh, are generally more enduring companies. And that's one of our core investment thesis. So these companies that you've invested in, I mean, the thesis has generally remained the same over time. Now looking forward, uh, this 2020, the region has becoming more competitive as venture matures in its deal flow. The action is thickening in sectors like fintech and races are afoot to win the region. So what do you advise your founders for their companies to both win in the region and grow sustainably? Sure. Um, yeah, the analogy I like to use is that, you know, um, if you are in the forest, like depending on rainwater for survival is fairly unpredictable. Um, I think it's analogous to consumer-facing companies that are spending a lot of money to acquire users and customers, uh, you know, sometimes without uh, proper unit economics. Um, I think that is, I think, going to be a recipe of a disaster. Uh, going forward, I think companies um, need to focus on um, retention, unit economics, net revenue, path to profitability, and acquiring users is just the first step. Uh, so the analogy is, you know, you should really build a reservoir to trap this rainwater. So once you, you know, attract these users, uh, how do you create a platform to retain them uh, and gradually build an ecosystem and get them to stay engaged? Uh, and, and the analogy is the following. Once you have a reservoir, you can start breeding fish and prawns. Um, so the users come back for one thing, uh, but you have to create other use, use cases to get them to stay engaged and increase the engagement. And as more rainwater falls, uh, so, and as, as your user base grows bigger, uh, you expand the size of the reservoir, right? So you scale up the platform to increase the mode. Uh, you know, you, you scale up um, operations to make sure there's customer service, make sure that uh, you are allowing the uh, users to cross-pollinate the various use cases uh, more c- uh, conveniently. And as uh, reliance on rainwater for the survival stop, you can actually, uh, energy is you can charge people to fish in the reservoir, right? So once the platform is self-sustaining, uh, you can actually start monetizing and extracting value, um, much like a fisherman uh, can do um, in, in a reservoir. Uh, and then over time, I think, you know, um, the resources that's built up allows for sustaining value creation. So you don't even have to fish uh, for, uh, for fish or prawns. Um, you can build a, a power plant uh, uh, or, uh, you know, a hydro, hydro dam to uh, allow for limitless value creation uh, and a self-sustaining platform. I mean, these are uh, easier said than done, but I think um, the most enduring companies are able to uh, essentially uh, create a reservoir uh, for their users, uh, get them to stay engaged, uh, and also uh, uh, allow them to monetize and create a sustainable platform. So I think it's a big question for our listeners, especially the founders among you guys. What is your reservoir? What reservoir are you building? For more episodes, you can head to Insignia Business Review at review.insignia.vc or you can head to Spotify, iTunes, Waves or wherever you listen to your podcast.